I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. I'm 71 with a boyfriend. I'm more like a 39-year-old when it comes to dating. We met at a ballroom dance almost two years ago. This is a voice memo we got from a reader of my column a few months ago. Before that, I did a ton of online dating. I kept a diary and wrote notes in the toilet of the restaurant, and I'm not kidding about that. So dating has always been scientific, sort of scientific researching for me. We know it's like going on a trip to the dentist. Necessary, but uncomfortable. Okay, this was interesting. From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. If you're dating, it's a thing you hear a lot. A good way to meet someone is to take a class or join a social activity. You know, like playing on a volleyball team or taking a sourdough bread-making class— signing up for pottery. It would only be a matter of time before you're living out that sexy pottery wheel scene between Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze in the movie Ghost. Today I'm going to look at this idea that classes, activities, and clubs are a good way to find love. In my column, I have often told people to sign up for things like this. But I have to admit, sometimes that advice can feel a little empty because I've definitely heard stories of people feeling compelled to go play softball or whatever, and then they don't meet anyone, and they're stuck playing softball. Then again, I do know people who have had success this way. When we did a call-out this season, asking people to tell us how they met their partners, we did hear about relationships that grew out of activities and classes, like the woman we heard a few moments ago, who met her boyfriend ballroom dancing. So does this work? Is it worth the time? and the registration fees? To dig deeper into these questions, I knew exactly who I wanted to talk to, my friend Nicole. Nicole and I used to work together. She's now an editor who lives in New York. Back when we were colleagues, she was very single and very interested in finding a boyfriend. It seemed like Nicole was always on her way to some after-work activity with an eye toward meeting someone. I remember thinking, how exhausting. I imagined her suiting up for all of these missions looking for love, but winding up stuck with a bunch of married people in, like, some floor hockey league. And if I'm being honest, I worried at the time that doing all of this just to meet a guy made her look, I don't know, like a little bit desperate. That's not the word I want to use, but I remember thinking it at the time. Here's how it all started. When I met you, how old were you? I had just graduated from college, so it was 2007, so I was in my early 20s. There was a work person who I was crushing on pretty bad, and it went on for longer than it should have, where it was this sort of, like, unrequited thing where I was just into this guy. It wasn't ever going to be anything more than friends, and it was hard because it was someone I had to see every single day. Eventually, Nicole sends this guy a candid note saying that she needs some time away from him 
to deal with her feelings, to move on. And it was that moment where I was like, okay, well, how am I going to meet people? I can't keep pining over the guy at work. I need to put myself out there and, like, have a real life. I can't be like this sad Sally. At this time, all of my friends are getting married. They're all marrying their college sweethearts. And I was very much, like, the single person at the wedding. And I went to all their weddings alone. So at the same time, I'm, like, I'm very aware of my, my singledom in the world. What makes it harder is that Nicole's own parents seem to have this storybook relationship. They'd met young and were enjoying a long marriage. Nicole calls them soulmates. Her love life doesn't feel anything close to that. I feel like I did feel a desperation of, I need to meet someone and get married because what if all the great guys are gone? And then is my option just to like wait until my 30s and maybe one of these other you know, marriages doesn't work out and then I'm going to be in the divorcee pool? Like, I, I, that's really where my head was at. This all leads Nicole to a conclusion. She needs to do something. She can't passively wait for love. She needs to go find it, go get it. For lack of a better term, I became just like a capital J joiner. I was just gonna sign up for absolutely everything I could. I remember once I saw an ad on the subway for a dragon boat racing team. And I was like, yes, that, I'm gonna go do that. That sounds cool. I was just trying to get out there. I met people who weren't necessarily going to be partners, and that was fine. It wasn't a disappointment if I met someone and it wasn't like a, there was like no one here for me. Like I never dated anyone on that, on that Dragon Boat team, but it was awesome. This joiner mentality? Well, Nicole gets serious about it. I was actually doing a lot of running, <laughs> a lot of running during this time, um, one of which was the Santa Speedo run, where you have to run down, I believe it's Boylston Street, right, in your underwear. And then I was running half marathons, which I was also training for. I was on a softball league. A friend of mine started a bowling league. I did a competitive beanbag tossing through Social Boston Sports. I joined a floor hockey league with people at work. I signed up for a painting class, like a real one, not one of those paint nights. I was a volunteer at the Boston Marathon Water Station. I signed up to perform at Mortified, and then I set other various challenges for myself to just say yes every time people asked me to do things. We started a book club. And we started a book club. Oh yes, our book club. Yeah, starting a young adult book club, like with immediate friends is maybe not the way to meet Do you singles. know that I did make out with one of the only two guys in that Shut book club. Shut up. <laughs> I think part of the reason why so much of it was athletic is I felt like, it just felt like such a one-to-one -one connection of, oh, I'm doing something. I'm like actively doing something. It, it could never feel passive to me if it was something that I was throwing my whole body into. Did you see potential suitors at these events? Yeah, of course. I mean, there were cute guys there and I certainly talked to people there, but it never got to like the next level of should we go on a date or would you want to go on a date or even can I get your number that sort of thing when you go with single girlfriends I don't know if this is just me or if this is everybody but I get this air of desperation and like the scanning the crowd and the like prairie dogs scanning the horizon of like where are the potential dates for me after a while it just started to make my skin crawl when you realize that everyone else is doing it everyone is scanning the crowd but no one is actually crossing the space to connect i need to say here that nicole is generally a very positive person 
But this whole effort wears on her. It was super exhausting. It wasn't like every single day I was doing this. I was taking breaks and eating a pint of ice cream in front of The Bachelor and not feeling great about myself. That was the reality of the situation, too. Like, it was both things at the same time. Still, even though Nicole doesn't meet the love of her life, she finds something else. She's more confident. I felt like there was this interesting thing that happened in that, yeah, I was putting myself out there. And it'd be great if I met people, but it kind of gave me this sense of self where when I was out at a bar or where I was, like, I don't know, in the airport, for instance, that I could just randomly talk to someone. I had enough to bring to that conversation in a pinch that, I don't know, just made me feel like a little bit more self-assured to have all this stuff going on. We'll be right back. So Nicole develops this new mindset because of all of these things she's got going on. And even though there's no partner yet, it feels like she's building towards something. I just think doing those things made me, like, more marketable to the dating world. I I hate to say it like that, but it's true. In a way, I felt like I was building up my dating resume so that when I got on the job interview, a.k.a. the first date, I was like, see, here are all of my qualifications for being a cool partner. One time Nicole meets this guy in an airport, and she pursues him pretty hard. We did wind up going out a couple times, and I remember he called me once, but I missed the call because I was out on the boat. She was out, you know, on that dragon boat. And I remember feeling so cool, like, here is this very good-looking guy, and I am not available because I have something else to do that is more important than him. Two thousand thirteen rolls around. Nicole still doesn't have a boyfriend. She makes a New Year's resolution. She's going to go out and do something every day. And if someone invites her somewhere, she'll say yes, no matter what. So when her friend Patrick invites her skiing in New Hampshire one spring day because his wife can't make it, Nicole says yes. The two of us go, and the whole day he's sort of like picking out guys for me on the slopes. He's like, what about that guy? What about that guy? He was like constantly trying to like help me find a mate. And it's I mean, I'm not a big skier, and I used to ski a little bit, but, like, it's not a lot to see. People are wearing, like, goggles. You're in goggles. You do not meet people on the slopes. You're not talking to strangers there. I mean, the only time you're, like, congregating is when you're waiting in line for the lift or, like, maybe at the end of the day if you're going to have a couple beers at the bar. It's pretty warm on the slopes that day. In fact, it's the day when the ski resort they're at, Bretton Woods, hosts its traditional pond skim. The pond skim is like this big spring party. Skiers and snowboarders are trying to glide over this small pond at the bottom of the slopes without falling in. We were standing at the pond skim, and we're watching all these people try and clear this pond. And this one guy comes down, and he's wearing a red onesie with the butt flap open. And he, he gets across the pond just about until he totally eats it and falls into the water. And I said to Patrick, no, that's the type of guy I should be dating. He just looked like someone who was, like, living his life in this, like, happy, energetic way. And, like, that was really attractive to me. That is what I wanted for my own life, too. So then Patrick goes to the bathroom, and I see this guy come back out. He had, like, changed his clothes or whatever. And I went over to him. I said, hey, did you just did you just do that, you know, that pond skim? 
which is like worst opening line ever. But we started talking and it turned out we lived like a couple blocks from each other in Boston. This conversation leads to beers back at the lodge. And that leads to an exchanging of information, which leads to a text from this guy as Nicole and Patrick are in the car on their way home. Before long, Nicole and the guy in the butt flap onesie are going on a date. And then some more dates. Soon, they're legit dating. I never had to guess if he was into me or not. Um, He just was acting like a guy who was interested. He was setting up dates, and we were going on those dates, and um, it was just very quickly became obvious that we were headed toward the being in a relationship. And I think it was maybe like a month or so later that he, I think he sent me flowers to ask me if I would be his girlfriend, which is like really cute. (laughs) What's interesting is that Nicole says that had she come across this guy on a dating app, she might not have swiped on him, partly because he was three years younger. I think I probably would have discounted someone younger than me on site alone. And, like, I'm so glad I didn't, obviously. But it's just interesting, the things that we sort of write off when we make our mind up about somebody on a dating profile versus just, like, seeing him in person. I was like, no, he seems, like, cool and interesting. Nicole and her partner have now been together for six years. Last fall, he proposed on a walk through the Brooklyn Botanic Garden— They're getting married in November. Did your half-decade of joining and class-taking and sports bra-wearing, like, is that what got you to the relationship you have now? I think I was just, like, so used to introducing myself to people and talking to people and making small talk out of literally nothing. So it was just like, I wasn't going to not talk to this guy that I thought was cute because I was worried I was going to be rejected by him. If I get rejected by him, then I'm still at where I'm at before. But if it goes well, best case scenario, we get married. And like, guess what? We're getting married. (laughs) Nicole says, sure, she might have gone on that ski trip even without taking all of those classes and joining those activities. But she doesn't think she would have approached her now fiancé. The biggest thing she learned in her joiner phase? The importance of keeping the stakes low. I think I started out, I want to get married. I want to find a relationship. I think I probably shot myself in the foot a little bit on some dates because I was like guns blazing. That's what I wanted. And it wasn't until like a few years in that I was like, I honestly just want to find someone that I have something in common with and I have shared interests and that I want to spend time with. It made me treat dates with less reverence, with um, a little bit more fun. I was not going to let myself be beaten down by this thing that routinely was trying to beat me down. Life is too short, I think. If I had not met anyone, and if I was single now, I'd probably still be doing the same things. I think I'd still be just trying to be, like, the best version of me, building my cool stories, joining other things, finding other things to do. Like, I still do that. I'm in a relationship now, and we're, like, taking a bread-making class in a couple weeks. Yeah, we do stuff together, but I do stuff on my own, too, and so does he. So I just think you have to figure out the thing for yourself that is going to get you out there and then stick with that. One of my big takeaways from Nicole's story is that being in classes, on sports teams, and the rest turned her into a person who could approach strangers, who could feel confident on her own, who could walk up to some guy at a pond skim and say, nice job. Without dragon boats and painting, she might not have become that person. She might have never met her fiancé. Another lesson? 
Nicole only joined activities she thought she might actually like. They had to be things that I was interested in and that I was excited to do and I was, like, happy to be there because if I had joined, like, a basketball league, that's, like, a nightmare for me. But, like, I'm sure there's a lot of guys there. If the sole reason for me doing it was to meet people, but I hated the activity, like, that was not a good experience. Also, by pursuing this stuff, she found a like-minded partner who was open to new experiences. Not everyone wants to ski or take a bread-making class. But there's a pretty good chance that a guy in a butt-flap onesie is open to new things. I have to say I'm a little ashamed that I ever saw any of Nicole's efforts as sad or trying too hard. I'm glad she pushed herself. She put in real work, and she wasn't afraid to show it. I just didn't understand that before. If I've learned anything on this season, it's that more of us should be open and honest about what we do to meet someone. Because love doesn't happen when you're not looking. It just doesn't. When it comes to classes and activities for singles, it can be tough to choose. Nicole, the expert, advises that it's better to join clubs and activities on your own instead of with a group of people you already know. Running clubs are especially conducive, she says, to meeting people, as are things like softball leagues, because there's a lot of waiting around. Who's up next? When am I on deck? You know, you have questions built into what you're doing that you can be asking. That way you're not asking someone a personal question like, so where are you from? Like, what do you do? Are you married? As a non-sports ball person who is not going to join any of these leagues, I can tell you that the book club I started with Nicole did seem like a good way to meet people had we stuck it out long enough to get more members who were friends of friends of friends. Worth mentioning, when Aaron and I took that beer class at the Cambridge Center for Adult Education, our teacher, Chris, told us that many singles come to the school specifically to meet others. She does warn that in Cambridge, at least, 80% of the class takers are women. But, you know, for some of you, that's good news. Something good happened to Erin, and it had nothing to do with that beer class we took. Remember that guy she had a good date with a few episodes ago? Art Dad? Well, they'd stayed in touch, and they made plans to go out again. So I asked Aaron to check in with me before and after the date went down. Hey, Meredith, it's Aaron. Sorry I sound so weird. I've had a cold this week. Um, I just wanted to let you know I'm about to go on date number two with Art Dad. I think it's been about a month since I last saw him when we went to the Harvard Art Museum. He's been really busy with his work schedule and with his kids. And I've also been busy changing jobs and sort of figuring out my next step in life. So it's actually worked out okay. Despite that cold, Aaron sounded pretty excited. We're going to a record store day in Somerville and then probably to have a drink or two and something to eat. But I'll touch base when we get back and let you know how it went. All right, bye. Hey, Meredith, it's Aaron. Um, it's Saturday night. I just got home for my second date with Art Dad. It was really fun, actually. We enjoyed the really nice weather and being out. And we had a lot to talk about, and he invited me to go to his works gala, which is their big annual fundraiser, which I think is awesome. So I'm gonna hopefully go to that. So we'll see what happens. We had some drinks, had some dinner, had some ice cream, and then I came home to try and get better from this cold. But 
a successful second date. So um, I'll keep you posted on what happens next. Okay, bye. I know, I know, I know. It's early. This all might amount to nothing. I get that. But hearing Aaron happy makes me really happy. And it makes me think that whatever happens with Art Dad, there are people out there that Aaron can connect with. That she can still have fun on dates after all she's been through. And that's no small thing. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. The podcast is produced, edited, and engineered by Amy Padula. Audio mixing, sound design, and mastering by Ned Porter. Music by APM. Our executive producers are Scott Hellman and Janice Page. Special thanks to Linda Henry and Brian McGrory. We want to hear your stories of dating and meeting people, and not meeting people. Email us at loveletters at boston.com or tweet at us using the hashtag loveletterspodcast. Our next episode is our last official episode of this season. I'll explore the stories of people who got together in dramatic fashion and how they sustained those relationships once the drama faded. Be sure to subscribe to Love Letters on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, or wherever you listen. And if you like the show, consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're online at loveletters.show. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening. And in the immortal words of Chevy Chase and Caddyshack, be the ball.